Welcome to The District, a podcast from The Spectator World. I'm editor-at-large Ben Domenech, and I'm happy to be joined today by Gabe Kaminsky, investigative reporter for The Washington Examiner, who has a couple of pieces that have really been making waves over the past few days online. Gabe, thanks so much for taking the time to join me today. Thanks, Ben. So you had the inkling to start looking into something that certainly deserved a lot more attention over the past couple of years, which is the way that certain entities, particularly nonprofit entities, have been operating on the basis of taxpayer funding and endorsements from the highest levels to undermine American publications whose opinions they disagree with in a number of different ways. Tell me a little bit about the entity that you started looking at and what you found. So our first piece focused pretty heavily on a group called the Global Disinformation Index. And the Global Disinformation Index is primarily a British group, and they have two affiliated American nonprofits, a private foundation and a charity. There's a couple other groups we focused on, one being Double Verify, which is a, a private company, publicly traded company. Another company called Double Verify, which is a, a publicly traded company. But for the most part, so what these organizations are doing is they're compiling these blacklists that are non-public, that the public, no one's able to see these these blacklists. And they basically are feeding them to advertising companies like the Microsoft-owned Xander, which is a really major ad group that places ads on behalf of companies like Walmart or Comcast. And it's feeding these blacklists, which we learned that we were on because we allegedly, according to them, according to the disinformation group, are peddling what they determined to be disinformation. Uh, and so advertising companies, there used to be a lot of direct advertising in media, but now they're turning to these disinformation groups to basically contract them and say, hey, who should we defund? Because this global disinformation index, their primary intent is to defund, stated is to defund and deplatform what they determine to be disinformation. And what they determine to be disinformation on it, you know, not shockingly, are opinions they disagree with. So conservative websites, many of which are opi primarily opinion websites, such as the American Conservative, or even a place like The Federalist, which publishes overwhelmingly opinion content. You know, there are some parts of this that are public, and then there's some parts of it that are hidden from view. So for instance, you linked to a PDF in your piece that, you know, went over a, a lengthy memo and had like their top 10, you know, recommended and their top 10, you know, not recommended, you know, and they're not recommended, including in addition to the sites that you mentioned, places like Reason, you know, a libertarian magazine, and even places like Real Clear Politics, which are primarily, you know, aggregation focused, even though they do obviously have their own original reporting as well. There's also, though, it seems like a whole slew of sites that are hidden from view you know, including, in this case, your own publication, The Examiner. I'm curious about what you found out about that, meaning that there were so many things kind of behind the scenes in a way that seems similar to, you know, the approach that was used by organizations like Hamilton 68 and targeting accounts on Twitter and the like. Yeah. So like you said, the Global Disinformation Index, they publicize outlets, 10 outlets that they deem the riskiest. And so this includes like, Reason, the American Conservative, Newsmax, the Daily Wire, the Blaze, and the American Spectator, and a couple other outlets. The Washington Examiner isn't actually listed on that list. However, we learned through uh, a source in the ad industry and some emails that were leaked from that 
few different people that we are on a separate exclusion list that blocks us from gaining access to ad dollars. And so we also spoke to a source in the ad industry who said, who who's close to Breitbart, who said that Breitbart News is another outlet that is on this exclusion list, which is not publicized. The other part of it is neither of these two outlets are on this 10 riskiest list, which certainly would make you think that those 10 outlets would most probably be on this secret blacklist as well. And what that was affirmed by is when we spoke to a member of the Global Disinformation Index's board on the condition of anonymity, who had said that he he did not work on the exclusion list. He claimed that he hasn't had a role in that. We had, you know, I had no way of necessarily verifying that. However, he did say that he could see it to be quote probable and quote plausible that all of those outlets would likely be also on this exclusion list, which he even acknowledged to me could definitely be seen as a censorship tactic. Mm-hmm. And let's let's drill down a little bit into what they're looking at here because you know you hear oh, we're targeting disinformation and misinformation on the internet. And I think that what a lot of people thought before the pandemic and before the last couple of years of of activity was they assumed that that was stuff like targeting fraud or scams or, you know, things that were designed to, you know, take money from people for companies that don't exist. You know, all the kind of things that people just kind of normally associate with uh, misinformation or disinformation. Oh, you're, you're trying to, you know, rip off my grandma, you know, of course, you know, go ahead, do that. But then it turns out that what they're categorizing as disinformation or misinformation, and certainly we learned a lot more about those terms during the pandemic, but what they're categorizing it as in this case is some pretty disturbing stuff in the sense that it is, it's simply, you know, commentary and opinion that they disagree with. You link to a deck that was used by GDI in a presentation, I suppose, that features a piece of commentary written by Quinn Hillier at the Washington Examiner website and circles that highlights the fact that there is an Amazon ad currently running on the page and says disinformation on LGBTQ plus issues. And, you know, essentially this commentary that they are describing as quote unquote, transphobic is, is tagged as being disinformation. Quinn Hillier's not trying to rip off your grandma. It's just that they don't like what he's saying. Right, right. That's exactly right. So you would think that, so part of global disinformation indexes purpose is to fight fraud, is to fight foreign disinformation. So perhaps that pertains to maybe things going on in Russia with the war or things going on in the Middle East where perhaps America and maybe these groups determine that they have a vested interest in fighting fraud that could, you know, impact the US. But that's very separate from them deciding to overtly censor domestic outlets that are obviously peddling, you know, pretty oftentimes very mainstream opinions. I mean, the what, you know, Quinn's piece for example centered around a transgender issue which is certainly a hot topic in America, but it's a lot of issue. It's certainly an issue that is fair for debate and fair for the public square. And so they clearly are targeting, you know, domestic opinions based on the on the notion of, you know, fighting disinformation. And, and that's what the American conservative told us. Their executive director, he, he we quoted him in our second story on the State Department, you know, saying that, you know, 
we proudly hold these views and you know the american conservative again they are primarily publishing opinion outlets and the disinformation world is clearly you know a lot of it is centered around their interpretations of you know covid vaccines masks perhaps like alleged fraud in the 2020 presidential election you know and on several of those topics there's certainly fair debate about you know various topics involved in them well, I mean, uh, you know, but one of the you know ridiculous and difficult things that they have to deal with is, of course, we now have uh, plenty of scientific information and research that delves into the mask issue, for instance, and says that that you know there's no sign that mask mandates, you know, actually had a positive impact in any way. And yet, if you claimed that at the time, you could easily have gotten flagged in a number of different ways. Uh, let's talk about that second portion that you just mentioned, which focuses on the State Department. Talk to me about the the funding pathway you know, that is enjoyed by by GDI and how American taxpayers are essentially on the hook for a lot of this work that's being uh, done to target American publications. So, yeah, so GDI is funded through the State Department by, we found, through two different entities. And the first one I'll highlight is the National Endowment for Democracy, which is a nonprofit that was authorized through Congress. So it's a very unique nonprofit. I mean, it essentially, people have argued that it acts as a government grant-making body. The National Endowment for Democracy received $300 million last, in 2021, which accounted for nearly all of its funding. Um, and this organization, on the board of it, I should note, is Representative Lee Stefanik, Ann Applebaum, who's a, a left-leaning journalist who described the Hunter Biden laptop story. And Ann Applebaum is also on the board of the Global Disinformation Group. So that yeah, shows so how I was going to ask you, is that, do you think of that as a coincidence or is that an indication of who might be driving that funding? <laughs> I, yeah, I can't, I, I'm not sure that I will say she, she is a very prominent individual who is involved in different ways in the disinformation space. I think, I believe she teaches a course on it at a university. But all that is to say, there's high profile people on this board and that organization granted $250,000 to the Global Disinformation Index in 2020 to develop risk ratings for overseas. So they, the grant was not allocated for domestic activity. Of course, I don't have evidence that where exactly that money has been moved. Money is certainly fungible. I don't know where exactly the, the, the thousands have went. So that's the first entity that, that funded them. And that certainly raised concerns among Lawyers we spoke to, including Ilya Shapiro of the Manhattan Institute and David Warrington of uh, Dillon Law Group in California. The second State Department entity that has funded the Global Disinformation Index, it's kind of a complicated web, but essentially the Global Disinformation Index was awarded a $250,000 grant with two other groups as part of a program through the State Department's Global Engagement Center, which has come under fire in the Twitter files published by Matt Taibbi because of them urging Twitter to censor alleged disinformation. And as and so the Global Disinformation Index took home $100,000 of that $250,000. And the funds were essentially, the State Department awarded that money to a group called Disinfo Cloud, which it, is a defunct classified unclassified platform that they used with Congress and federal agencies to track foreign and domestic disinformation. And DisinfoCloud gave the money 
to a group called Park Advisors, which is an investment firm that contracts with the government. And then that money then made its way to Global Disinformation Index. And so we kind of had to try and follow that very convoluted web of where the money went. So I'm curious, after sort of delving into this group and and the impact that it's had, you know, do you think that this is, you know, kind of a one-off or do you think that it's kind of the tip of the iceberg? Because one of the things that we've seen revealed over the past couple of years is the degree to which NGOs, nonprofits, external groups, and private groups are essentially taking government grants or government funding targeted at the, at the idea of disinformation or misinformation, which again, sounds on its face, like not the worst thing in the world, and then turning it around and targeting American citizens, American publications, you know, undermining their advertising, you know, uh, seeking to blacklist or delist them, or even, you know, in the individual terms, you know, in, increase the push for their censorship uh, in on various social media platforms and the like. Do you think that this is kind of the beginning of a larger story about how much that's been going on in recent years? Yeah, I, this is definitely not a one-off unless I'm totally, totally wrong, which certainly could be possible. But I think that what we've saw, I, I would guess that this is, you know, we, we've unpacked portions of the Global Disinformation Index, which is one of several groups involved in, in this sort of activity. And we've obviously had to rely on, you know, people in the ad industry who are not able to, you know, have to talk confidentially on this. And also people who are able to provide us really critical information that we could not attribute to them due to them, you know, contracting with certain groups and being involved with groups where clearly it would financially punish them and be an issue for their employment. But yeah, I would say that I think that certainly I, I would, it would be great to see the disinformation reporting, you know, increase as time goes on, because I think that this certainly appears to be the tip of the iceberg. And hopefully uh, there can be more that comes to light on the extent to which these groups are operating and operating behind the scenes to financially punish those they disagree with. Look, I, I think that this is really disturbing stuff, but I, I think the most disturbing aspect of this is how much we don't know that is still ongoing. Obviously, we're about to head into you know another presidential cycle and the degree to which we see this same kind of thing rear its head and try to tilt the playing field in a direction away from allowing for broad and, and particularly right of center thought to have a voice in the public square is really disturbing stuff. Gabe, thank you so much for your reporting. We'll continue to follow your work. Thanks for having me.